Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. Uh, well said. We're t- It's not quite, not, not, this one's called COVID-19, not quite over. I actually labeled the document where I was trying to put together notes for this as COVID still? Still? With a question mark, like still? I gotta say, I don't know who that's for other than me. I'm the only one who sees the title of this document, longer, but that's what it's called. COVID the, longer still? It drag, the longer it drags on, honestly, I kind of feel like we need to ditch the 19 and update it. You know what I mean? COVID 19 is starting to feel a little Coney 2012, you know? Like, let's spice it up a little bit. I mean, COVID 2022. Co- coronavirus is trying to. Yeah, that's true. Coronavirus is, is it mutant? With our help. Independently. We're helping. Yeah, we're doing our part. Yeah, to update. I mean, at this point, I don't think that there is enough distinction for there to be a new. I mean, because like if you had a new name, it would probably denote like a different syndrome, like constellation of symptoms. You know what I mean? Because like COVID-19, the illness, it it denotes the the symptoms, the the sickness, the illness. Does that make sense? Yeah. Coronavirus is a virus. COVID-19 is the illness. Yeah. If we called it COVID something else it would have to be significantly different. But, I mean, if we don't do something, I guess we could be headed there. Yeah. This is why I didn't want to talk about that. I understand. I understand. It's We've been struggling with this one. Like, it's, it's like, it's exhausting right now. And you know what? Maybe this can just be a space where you hear other people say that this is an exhausting time. I don't know. I was hoping for some, uh, to give you an opportunity for some catharsis. Perhaps. Also, though, there have been a lot of changes recently. Uh, Justin, you've asked me some questions. We've had some listeners write in some questions. I've had a lot of family and friends asking me personally, could you help me understand what the heck is happening right now, mm-hmm. like with the variants, with the CDC recommendations? Um, school is going to start soon. Uh, it doesn't start in the fall for everyone who doesn't know that. Yeah, there but, seems to be this belief that we still have all this time before school starts because school doesn't start till like the the actual like yeah t- it's like t- seasonal fall. Folks, it's like two weeks to the equinox. Yeah, right? I mean, it's like, like no, two that's weeks. not that's not when school starts anymore. It's in August. Charlie starts in what August? 11? I mean, it's like it's wild. It's like I don't remember. Pretty soon. Yes, it's, it's soon. It's soon. Um, I've been trying not to think about it because yeah. of all the angry emails I've been exchanging with the school board. So uh, I want to, I always like, this show is supposed to be about history. And 
the reason we talk about COVID so much is because history is happening. Unfortunately, we live in interesting times. And uh, I want to start, though, with some actual history history, old okay. history. I don't know why this helped me old with context, history. but it did as I started thinking about this. Old history is one of my top two kinds of history. Uh, do you know, Justin, how long ago we theorized the existence of the virus? I don't mean the virus, coronavirus. I mean the entity we think of as a virus. It had to be at least, I mean, 11, 12. I don't remember people talking about a lot when I was born. I was born in 1980. So probably like 90s. Ancient civilizations theorized the existence of like contagions, right? Something that would be a viral particle. And you've got to understand viruses are really small. Oh, gosh, really guys, small. if you're not aware of this. Have you ever wondered how you've never seen them? That doesn't mean they're not real. They're just like so small. Sid tried to explain it to me. But if you think of like a really small thing like a mouse or a grape, it's like even way, 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 way smaller than that. And it's it's like smaller than um, other pathogens. Like, And this is why if you look at like the history of virology, the study of viruses, you have like – Someone uh, like ancient ancient people a long time ago going, I bet that there is something that I don't know the word for it yet because virus, the word wasn't around yet. But like, I bet it's really small and it makes you sick and you can catch it from other people. Hmm, that's fascinating. And then nothing it happens until like the 1700s <laughs> because we can't see it. Yeah. And basically it was just a theory that there is something really small that could make you sick. And you could see eventually like bacterial growth colonies. You might not see an individual bacteria, but you could see like, you know, like you've probably seen on Petri dishes, right? Like you could Google an image of a Petri dish with bacteria on it and you'll mm -hmm. see the little globs. They look they look like little um, s little snot balls of different <laughs> colors. Like, I mean, seriously, they're kind of beautiful, some of them. Beautiful but snot balls. They are, but, um, and they're different colors and you could see that and be like, well, that's something. Um, you can see fungus, right? Mm -hmm. Look in your fridge. You might have some. We it's usually right do of something that we forgot yeah. was in our fridge. So you could see those things, but you couldn't see... A virus, And when you think about like the first big step in that process um, of understanding like what a virus is and then visualizing it eventually and fighting it, you really have to look first at what Jenner did with the smallpox vaccine. Mm -hmm. And the wild thing about that is that the first vaccine period, and I know that, and we've gone through the history of vaccination, so I know like there was variolation first. I don't, I don't want to get into all that. But when we talk about the first vaccine using vaccinia against uh, smallpox, we still didn't know what a virus was. Hmm. We didn't know smallpox was a virus, what the implications of that were, and we certainly hadn't seen it. Right. Uh, the first vaccine was created without that knowledge. I think that's fascinating to think about. You still had not seen the enemy. Hmm. But you knew that it was there. And the reason that we knew it was there is there's this whole sequence of events, even throughout this time period where Jenner has come up with this vaccine. And as we move into like the 1800s, where we're beginning to understand the germ theory of disease, right? We're beginning right. to understand the idea that like, you're sick. I can take material from you, whether it be like snot or spit or blood or I get it. That's gross. I scab, get it. Yeah, goo, yeah, no, whatever. Yeah, I get it. Like and I, I can take that material from you and I can put it in another person and they'll also get sick with the same thing, mm -hmm. right? Then I could even take material from that person and put it in another person and make them sick. Like we're beginning to understand we that. We get the idea that there is like goop. <laughs> there's goop that you there's can goop. take. 
and put it in another person. Got it. Right. Not Gwyneth Paltrow Goop. No. No, that won't do Although, anybody any good. misapplication of advice from Goop probably could make you sick. Yeah. To be infection. Um, anyway, what we, what we started doing was trying to, um, here's some Goop that's infectious, we think. Let's put it through a filter, a very small filter. This is one of those filters that makes your skin glow or gives you like the spark glittery eyebrows or something. Not when that. you raise your eyebrow, the American flag <laughs> shoots out of your eyes or something. Not that kind of filter. I love those filters. Not that kind of filter. Like something that will remove particles filter. And then the stuff that comes through, let's see if that makes someone sick. Okay. Because the idea is that if it's a bacteria or something, you could filter it out, right? Mm -hmm. This idea would come into play many, many years later with masks. Oh. That can filter certain things out and can't filter other things out. Um, but you, what they would find. <laughs> said earlier this week, Sydney said, Did you hear? Disney's bringing back masks. And in my head, I'm so used to Disney like digging through their old IP and finding something they can relaunch. In my head, I was like, Masks? What is that? They're remaking the Rocky Dennis movie? Or. Like mask, like the uh, the animated TV show when I when I was a kid, where like it was vehicles that would transform into other stuff, and then the people would wear masks to drive the vehicles. I do not know. That. Anyway, the point is they were just <laughs> no, like the face masks you wear for coronavirus. Yeah, it took me way too long. Um, it was very uh, very embarrassing, uh, but I eventually figured it out. So. Uh, the, the thing with filters is that they knew that sometimes you passed infectious material through a filter and then put that the, the filtered stuff, the stuff that had been filtered, you put it into another animal. Let's be honest. A lot of the times we're dealing with animals, not humans in these experiments. And they would still get sick. And it had filtered out all of the conceive all the stuff that you had conceived of so far. It had you know that filter would have filtered out all the bacteria and germs and crap you knew about. So there was something you didn't know about dun, dun, dun. that was in there that was making people sick. But and so this is how we started to to figure this out. Um and and if it wouldn't be until 1892 that we would actually like find the first virus. Do you know what the first virus we found was? The first one we were able to like locate a name. Uh, Not even take a picture of smallpox? The tobacco mosaic virus. Tobacco it's, mosaic. A plant, it's a plant virus. It infects plants. It's not hmm. a. It's not a virus that we get. Tobacco hmm. plants get it. Boy, it must be a chunky boy, huh? <laughs> but they 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 isolated. There was the tobacco mosaic virus. Soon after that, the first animal virus is called the foot and mouth virus. This is not hand foot and mouth disease that humans get. This is totally different. This is something that only non-human animals can get. Uh, that was found soon after, and then by 1900, we were able to name the first human virus, a flavivirus called yellow fever. Um, and it's over the next six, so like here we are, like all of human history, we theorize the existence of viruses. Right at the turn of the centuries, 1800 to 1900, the 1800s to the 1900s, we isolate these viruses. And then over the course, and like within 30 years, we're taking pictures of them, by the way. We use an electron microscope to take pictures of them, which is it's a really cool, the first description I ever read of like how those things work was in um, The Hot Zone, mm -hmm. the book about Ebola, um, that inspired me to become a physician. 
uh, when and and like if you read about how hard it was to photograph a virus, and you had like I said that they used this electron microscope, which they had to invent in order to see and then take pictures of these viruses, and they have to create these little like beads of viral material and slice them with diamond knives. And then put these tiny sections to and look under this specialized microscope. Anyway, all this technology had to be invented before you could see and take a picture of the enemy, the virus. Mm -hmm. Um, And then what you have by the end of the six, like by the end of the fifties, you have vaccines against most of the major dangerous, especially childhood viruses that are out there. It's that fast. Mm. You have technology, but. I think what I'm trying to get to here is you have been building to this for all these hundreds of years where people were talking about and filtering down and getting to there's something we can't see. There's something we can't see. We know it makes people sick. We know how to stop it because we know when you get it once, you usually don't get it again. So maybe if we could expose you to it and train your immune system against it, all of this culminates in what seems like this very fast process throughout the 50s, of 40s and 50s, of making these vaccines. And it can seem like that happened really fast, but it didn't because it was built on hundreds of years of understanding. And I just, I feel like that scope of things, if more people understood that would be helpful right now. Yeah. Because what has happened in the last year, well, in the year that it took to go from finding this virus, finding its genome, making a vaccine against it, testing that vaccine, refining that vaccine or multiple vaccines as it is, and then giving it to humans. The basically year that it took, right? It, I mean, it's, it seems miraculous. And certainly to Edward Jenner, <laughs> it would feel miraculous. Yeah. But when you look at history, when you look at what has brought us to this moment, of course we can do it this fast. Of course because we have hundreds of years of understanding that led us to this moment and that allowed us to be prepared because viruses have been elusive and weird and dangerous and scary as long as humans have been interacting with them. Um, And so we have gotten better and better and better at defeating them, or at least on the science end, because that's only one part of it, right? The science is one piece. The other part is what all we do with that science. So anyway, I don't know if that context helps anyone, but that context for where we are right now helps me. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that speech would help anybody get the vaccine. <laughs> yeah. Who's going to take the time to listen? Maybe we could come up with a punchy TikTok version of it. It's like where it's like one person reaches up and they're like, time before we could see viruses. And then they do another kind of dance. And they use that do, 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 do. do. Do, 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 that one. Yeah. Or People like, like that on TikTok. Yeah. Or, yeah. I mean, it's an option. I don't know. That's not really my thing. Yeah, I'm not really a TikTok guy. It's, I'm, that's not my favorite medium, honestly. Podcasting is better for me. <laughs> um, uh, let's I tell you what. I, well, let's take a quick break. Mm-hmm. Let's take a break. Cleanse the palates. And we'll come back and talk about how things have been going lately. Yeah. There are a couple of things of current yes. historical events. <laughs> <laughs> um. Now that we have traced the human evolution of uh, our understanding in relationship with the virus. Let's thrill as we de-evolve. Let's go. To the billing department. Let's go. The medicines, the medicines that escalate macabre for the mouth. 
we have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed, but we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat delicious meals right to your door, and not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got, like, fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From 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 a, a box? Pre-prepared, all I got in two minutes. I mean, filet mignon. That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, and the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McQuarrie fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McElroy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hi, I'm Annabelle Gerwich. And I'm Laura House. And we're the hosts of Tiny Victories. My tiny victory is that I sewed that button back on the day after it broke. We talk about that little thing that you did that's a big deal to you, but nobody else cares. Did you get that Guggenheim Genius Award? We don't want to hear from you. We want little bitty tiny victories. My tiny victory is a tattoo that I added onto this past weekend. Let's talk about it. My victory is that I'm one year cancer free, but my tiny victory is that I took all of the cushions off the couch, pounded them out, put them back, and it looks so great. So if you're like us and you want to celebrate the tiny achievements of ordinary people, listen to Tiny Victories. It's on every Monday on Maximum Fun. 
All right, Sid. So we've talked somewhat about the Delta variant of the uh, COVID-19. Continuing um, developing story. You were telling me that like literally seconds before we recorded, we had some – you were reading a, a story about it and what we're understanding. So we've we've talked before about variants. Um, it is – It was understood from the beginning, I mean, again, from the beginning of our understanding of viruses, that viruses do change over time. Mm -hmm. Like all things, all things evolve, all things change, Uh, especially in, uh, and things change because of pressures from the world around them to change and adapt to continue Mm -hmm. to survive, right? Right. Um, So as we become a little better at uh, preventing this infection, um, somewhat better at treating it, I guess you could say. It was only natural that it would shift to some extent, right, mm-hmm. and and change in response. So we now have the Delta variant, which is becoming the dominant variant of this um, in multiple places. It is not the dominant variant in the U.S. yet, but it is only a matter of time. You may also have heard – I just wanted to throw out there, like, I've read some early reports of the Lambda variant as well and some concerns about that. Okay. At this point, I don't think we necessarily have a concern that it is worse than the Delta variant, mm-hmm. um, but also similar to the Delta variant, it is more contagious, but it's still really early. So mm-hmm. if you've heard the whispers of it out there, right now the thought is that it's not going to outcompete Delta, um, at least at this point. Uh, you know, I you can't predict the future, obviously, right. but but right now Delta is the big concern. Um, we knew about Delta from the beginning of our of, of seeing it that it is more contagious. Um, and as a result, we know that – and this – when it comes to, like, do the vaccines work against variants, I think what you have to understand is that there are different definitions of the word work in play. Okay. Does Do the vaccines prevent severe illness and death from COVID-19, including the Delta variant? Yes. 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 Not 100 percent. No vaccine is 100 percent. But they work extremely well in that – if that is your metric. What we are finding is that do the vaccines prevent any infection with COVID-19 Delta variant? Not as well. There's st- it's, you're still way more protected than you would be if you were, say, unvaccinated, mm-hmm. which I can't say, I can't stress that enough. But what we have slowly learned is that because the Delta variant is more contagious, you're going to see more breakthrough cases, meaning people who have been fully vaccinated, meaning they've gotten both their vaccines and waited the appropriate amount of time since the second vaccine. You're going to see more breakthrough cases. Um, And what you have to understand is that when you have more breakthrough cases, you also have more unvaccinated, like the spread is more. You have more vulnerable population, Right. right? Right. So you're going to see it spreading faster and you're going to have another wave this is what is happening. Mm -hmm. Um, That wouldn't be so uh, dangerous, perhaps, Mm -hmm. if it weren't for the fact that, one, we still don't have a vaccine approved for children under 12. Just bears repeating that just as often as you can. Just just keep, you know, because there's a lot of parents that feel like kind of... uh, Screwed over? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, screwed over, but also kind of like... It can feel like gaslighting if you have kids because, like, everyone's like, well, everything's opening back up and everything's fine. Like, there's millions, uh, tens of millions of people. 
get vaccinated. Yes. I mean, it's and, and the, what a, the four, implications, I think a fourth of the population. The implications of that are twofold. One, uh, kids can still get sick. Mm-hmm. And two, uh, they can spread it. Right. So. Well, we don't have... <sighs> I help. I'm. Everybody knows where I stand at this point. So I, I hopefully I can be in. Can we call this an environment where I can ask stupid questions? And don't let me forget. I want to get to the Washington Post uh, story. Do that first, and then let me ask my dumb questions. Okay. Though there were some internal CDC documents, like a slideshow. I think that was given a probably. They say slideshow, a PowerPoint. Let's be honest. I know. I know who you people are. You're like (laughs) me. It was a PowerPoint. Was it blue with white letters? The mine are always blue with white letters. Um. But there was a there was a slide that showed that um, that indicated that perhaps the Delta variant is also causing more severe disease, is as contagious as chickenpox, and basically um, some sort of presentation that was given to urge the CDC to change their recommendations. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's based on data that hasn't been published, so I don't I can't go through that data with you. I don't know what it was. Okay. But apparently there have been some studies that have indicated that the thing we didn't think was true about Delta, that it caused more severe disease, perhaps that's wrong. I don't I don't know because all of this is based on this Washington Post article that I literally read this morning. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, perhaps it is more dangerous. It's definitely more contagious. Definitely more contagious. So everything you thought you knew about how long you could be within six feet of someone, mm-hmm. I, I don't think we know that anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying we know something else yet. <laughs> I'm saying we don't know. So uh, because it's going to spread more rapidly, uh, you're going to see among the unvaccinated population, you're going to see it spreading quickly and a lot of people getting sick, perhaps sicker, and you're going to continue to see severe illness and death. And then among the vaccinated population, while you're not going to see a lot of severe illness and death, you're just not. I'm not saying there will be zero. Mm-hmm. The No vaccine is 100% effective. But among the vaccinated population, what you are going to see is mild illness, which isn't a huge deal, except that people are going to be mildly ill and not necessarily think they have this. And so perhaps go out and spread it to others who are unvaccinated and at risk for severe disease or death or children who by default are unvaccinated right now under 12. Um, And, you know, it will continue to spread because they you won't your first thought won't be to go get tested for COVID anymore especially if your symptoms are mild. Mm -hmm. So this is the situation. This is where we are. This is why the CDC has shifted its guidance. Not because we don't know what's going on, not because people aren't figuring it out, but because the situation changed. Things evolved. And as things change and evolve, if you're good at science, you change and evolve with it. If you're bad, then you just keep saying the same thing no matter what the outcome is. And so we we had to shift advice. The CDC had to shift advice. And that is why recently the CDC came out with a recommendation about universal indoor masking so for that everyone. Mean, that means that even if you're vaccinated, if you're indoors, you should wear a mask. Yes. Okay. I, uh, can I ask me some dumb questions now? Yes. Okay. So, and everybody knows where, where I stand. Okay, I want to say from a, I'm going to talk in terms of public health and statistics for a second with the understanding, and I'm going to say this as a preamble, that I understand that, one, there are people who are immunocompromised for whom this is a very serious situation still. And I understand also that one death to the people that care about a person is too many. 
okay, that, that blanket statement being made. If you look at vaccination rates for the population, we're at like 50, right? Broadly speaking. Now that's now kid the the under 12 thing is kind of messing up our um averages, but you know, it's still like if you look at fully vaccinated 18 to 24, it's like 43% of the population. Mm-hmm. Young people, that is where our biggest gap is. Like it's 18 to 39 is really like the the worst percentages like and uh, uh, weirdly there's like a goes to 80 for fully vaccinated it goes to 80% if you're between 65 and 74 and then if you're 75 plus it goes back down to 77 so some people are just going to write it out yeah. so <laughs> i guess go for it my concern is this if 80% of the population for whom this is the most deadly right if they are fully vaccinated, like at, at, at even if the rest of the population isn't like, does this get, I mean, we are, I don't know how you sell to people that this is still a very large, like people wouldn't get on board with some of these guidelines when no one was vaccinated and people were just dying left and right. Right. Mm-hmm. How do you, from a public health perspective, convince people that this is still like the kind of danger that we should be taking very seriously and taking these steps and taking these precautions? Do you know what I'm asking? Like, broadly speaking, like, like, is it like, obviously, like, it, you, you know, in, any, again, any death is, is too many. Like, no, like everyone's a tragedy, obviously. Especially at this point when we have a vaccine. Yes, correct. But there's there's an element of personal responsibility in that. Like, it's serious for people that haven't been vaccinated. And I, again, I don't want anybody to to uh, get extremely sick or perish from from uh, this disease. But like, we're broadly speaking, you are you know a lot heck of a lot safer if you've had this vaccine. How do you get people on board with this is something we still need to do if, like, the vast majority of people for whom it is very dangerous have have been vaccinated? Uh, I think that – I think what's hard is that um, – If I could say one more thing, to contextualize this, in America in the last seven days, the mortality rate of COVID has been 0.6%. So, like, again – I'll say it 10 times, any death is too many deaths. But, like, how, how do you get people back on board with, like, this is something we need to take really seriously? I think that there are a couple things. Um, well, first of all, if you're asking, like, the the broader question of how do you convince people either to get vaccinated or wear masks or do anything to take this seriously, I think that question a lot of smart people are asking and trying to answer constantly right now. And I don't know that I'm going to have a novel answer that hasn't been studied and written about a hundred times over. No, I, yeah, um, I know. So I think, I think that is a big, that's a big, that's the question, right? That is the question. I mean, this is one of those things where it's like such a big deal that you have, it, you almost have to, I, I, you just hope somebody is in a room with other smart people. Like how do we sell, 
I know. You know well, what I mean? Like those, just, those rooms exist. I guarantee I know those you rooms these conversations exist, right? are happening. But I the, saw the Bido problem, like, I'm going to give you a hundred bucks. I'm going to give you a hundred bucks. And then he said, like, you're not, you're not as smart as I thought you were. If you don't get vaccinated, I don't know that that. I'm not sure. It's a I don't great know angle, that's Bido. the Come angle on, to take. Um, I, I mean, again, I don't know the data on it, but I would guess that's not the best approach. Um, the okay. First of all, what I would say is this. I don't I don't think that the sort of punitive like we're going to put masks back on you if you don't get your vaccines. I don't think that's proving to be very effective because it's all become so politicized yes. that it was already seen as a punishment. Like masks were seen as some sort of weird punishment but even before, like when yeah. it was the only before vaccines, when the only tool we had was ma- were masks and distancing, masks were already seen as like, well, it's just Pelosi wants us masked or whatever it is. And it's like, what, I don't even know. Like, it was so immature, yeah. like, it, it, the way it, I felt about it personally. Um, but I don't think that, like, reinforcing that they could be used punitively does us any good. Right. Because they're not a punishment. They're an unfortunate necessity. I hate wearing a mask. Yeah, I it's do. so fun. And poor Cindy fogs up it. her glasses. I do. I fog up my glasses <laughs> all day long, my- no matter what I do with those masks, my glasses are fogged up. And sometimes, and, and in the hospital, by the way, I still have to wear eye protection, even though I have glasses. I still have to wear goggles over that. Do you know what it feels like to have foggy glasses and goggles on all day with your mask? Oh, I've got these incredible, perfect eyes. <laughs> I, don't know. I can't relate. I'm sorry. Anyway, um, so I think that a couple things would be this. One, uh, do you want to wait until it is more deadly to do something? I mean, like, that. that is a real—and I, I know that sounds facetious, but, like, really, part of the question is, as this changes, we knew— we knew it could get worse. We didn't know exactly how it would change, but it, it's gotten more contagious. That's worse. Perhaps this early leaked document is saying that it is more severe— I don't know. Do we want to wait until it is another polio in terms of children? Do we want to wait for that before we take it seriously? Like, is that the thing? Do you need to see kids dying before you'll take it seriously? Or can you? Do, or is the threat of that enough? I'd like to reinforce that I was asking those <laughs> questions rhetorically. Oh, and I don't I'm mean you. A little targeted, right? No, now. I don't mean you. But I mean, like that—that that is one thing to say. Like this thing is changing, and it's going to keep changing. Period. And we can either get out in front of it or we can wait for the devastation to occur. More, and let me say more devastation than has already occurred. The other thing I would say is this isn't just um, a mass casualty event that we're witnessing. It's a mass disabling event Mm. because there are long-term consequences Yes, to getting COVID for some, not all, but some patients. And that can be true and has been documented to be true in children as well. And in young people. So not just the elderly people who we initially knew were at risk of severe COVID or highest risk. Um, Anyone can get severe COVID. Mm -hmm. It is just less likely when you're young. And I think like as a a parent, I, I don't understand why our kids don't mind wearing masks. If it means they get to do things in the world... I can tell you, they're usually pretty happy to go yeah, along with it. Yeah, kids are fine. They don't understand anything. No, they they will adapt. They don't care about masks. Um, and if if in the entire school, the kids wearing masks prevents one kid from being hospitalized or getting severe COVID or getting complications from COVID, isn't that worth it? I mean, we ban peanut butter from lunches. 
Because yes. some kid four tables away could inhale the peanut fumes. Like, we, we did that. Like, certainly we could do and this. And peanut butter is delicious. Peanut butter is delicious. Um, um, but I think I think that's something. And the other thing I will say that um, uh, to put to, like, I, I would emphasize, more and more we're seeing that the conversations that are going to change minds, and I know that there's been a lot of data recently released that says it doesn't matter what you say, you're not going to change minds. Um for the majority of the unvaccinated, not all. There still is, there's a sliver. It's not as big as I would have hoped. But the people who do change their minds, it seems to be largely because of family and friends and personal relationships with people who have convinced them to go get vaccinated. It's not me. Mm-hmm. I wish it were me. It feels very, <laughs> I when I read that, I felt like my hands were tied because I I want to use my knowledge and my training and my research and my understanding to help people. Um, and this is one way I feel like I could help people. But in all honesty, if you know someone who is unvaccinated personally, if you have a relationship with them, if you have established trust and friendship or, you know, it's a family member, like you are in a better position in many ways to talk that person into getting vaccinated than I am. So I was going to say, this is the action item, right? Like if you're if you're despondent and you have gotten uh, vaccinated yet, like think of it like a um, like after a, 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 a natural disaster, like checking on people, like t- and especially with that, there's a huge gap in those like younger people. I kind of assumed it was a bunch of like people in their fifties who mm-hmm. you know were 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 so. Uh, anti-science that they could not be reached. These are younger people who just don't think it's a problem for them. Like, reinforce these things that Sydney's saying with a check on people. Like, check on the, your your friends and relatives that make sure everybody you know has been vaccinated. If we all did that, trust me, the numbers would be a lot higher. Like, I I don't know anybody in my personal life who has not, like, Sydney would be um, uh, relentlessly hounding them, so. I, I don't know anybody personally um, that I ha- that hasn't gotten vaccinated uh, like in my in my family friend circle, sure. I certainly know people who have not been vaccinated oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in my professional life. Um, and I I will say that uh, trying to threaten people or um, bully people into doing something doesn't work ever with anything really. Right? Like it just doesn't. Um, but trying to encourage people. Um, trying to, and, and I do think that like personal appeals, uh, personal stories do help. Um, asking the question, why, why didn't you want to get vaccinated? What is your concern? Cause sometimes it's really easy to address other times it's not. Um, but like the, I think that's the only thing you can do. I would advocate very strongly, um, if you're in a especially in school districts, um, this is a place where we might actually be able to get some traction. I don't think on a large scale, if you're in a state like Florida or Texas, mm-hmm. where on a state level, you know, the government has decided we're done with this. We just oh, West Virginia. <laughs> I, I, I don't think it's completely immovable in West Virginia, yeah. but I do think we're, I mean, we're definitely on that end of the spectrum. Um, but I do think that maybe school boards you may get a little more traction with because the CDC has come out pretty, I mean, very strongly that everyone in school should wear a mask. Um, Vaccinated or not, period, everyone should wear masks. And the American Academy of Pediatrics has echoed that um, sentiment. So 
I, and I think that it is right and wise, and um, we personally will be looking at another semester starting in virtual school if our if our county school board does not mandate masks. Um, so I think that uh, I think that that is a thing you can do. Advocate, even if you don't. Um, this is something that we we all have a vested interest in. Even if you don't have children, writing an email to your local school board and saying that you hope that the school board will follow the CDC and AAP recommendations is not a bad thing to do because you're a member of the community. And when people who are unvaccinated in the community get sick, it spreads, and so it will impact your whole community and maybe you personally. So I, it does matter. When it comes to a virus like this, it doesn't matter what state you live in or what country you live in or uh, if you have children or not or if you are unvaccinated or not or if you know someone who's at high risk or not because it's all connected. It all you, you get a voice in all of that because all of us are connected, which means – Everyone should have access to the vaccine. Everybody should be encouraged to get it. Everybody should be masked until we are at a point where the virus isn't spreading. Mm -hmm. um, and we should all be looking out for the vulnerable who cannot get vaccinated, which right now is everybody under 12. Yeah. They are completely at our mercy. Whatever decisions we make next, they have to live or not by. And and we'll, and maybe be affected by for. Their entire lives. I mean, we have no idea. Yes. And obviously, this is also true for somebody who can't get vaccinated or someone who has gotten vaccinated, but because they are on immunosuppressant medications or have other immune, you know, autoimmune disorders or whatever, do not respond to the vaccines. These people are also equally dependent on the rest of us to make good choices. There was one other thing. A couple of people have emailed to ask about boosters. Mm -hmm. uh, at this point, I think the focus really needs to be on getting those getting people who haven't been vaccinated at all vaccinated. I think that's the bigger focus. I don't think we have enough. The pharmaceutical company, Pfizer, b believes they have enough data to recommend a booster. I don't think they've applied for that yet. So far, we haven't heard that recommendation come from any other organizations. Um, and I, I, I just think at this point, while it is, it may well be that we need a booster. Mm -hmm. Um, which could be the exact same vaccine you already got, just another dose, or it could be something that's slightly different in response to these new variants. I don't think right now is the moment to go running and demanding that. Um, that day may come, but I think right now the bigger focus has to be on we're back to masks, we're back to distancing, and we need people who are unvaccinated to, like, to help us all out. Yeah. And you can remember, you can reach out to people, reach out to everybody. It's not out of line. You're not out of line. Like, this is the way it will happen. Like, there might be people in rooms coming up with plans, but you can act now. You can win uh, somebody over in your life. I guarantee it. And here's the good news that I wanted to close on. I have a ray of hope for you, Sydney, that some people may not be as hard to reach as we may be thinking. You know, mm -hmm. there's a perception that some of these people are 100% hardcore never getting vaccines. There have right. been some studies to that effect. But I know there's a segment of the population that is a lot more malleable. As we mentioned, D Disney uh, Parks announced that they are going back to masking. They had moved away from masking indoors, basically had just had masks on transportation. They're moving back to – and that was a policy that, that changed in like, 
uh, late May, I think they they got rid of masks and then they bring it back because of the, the rise of the Delta variant and because Florida is an absolute nightmare right now. Sorry, um, Florida. Sorry, Florida. Yeah, West Virginia feels your pain. Yeah, we're right there with you. Um, but there's some people who say, that, but but when this change is made, there was a, I, on some of my blogs, my Disney blogs, there was some feedback to this, and I wanted to share some of the reactions with you. Oh no. Okay, just so you know. Okay, this is this is lighter. Oh, no. Is any on a lighter note? Thank you for helping protect kids who cannot get vaccinated yet. Unfortunately, people cannot follow rules. Yes. Pleased to hear the indoor mask requirement with the rise of the Delta COVID variant. Our trip is scheduled in late August. Good. I mean, but there's some people who are like, what's happening? Yeah. Uh uh I'm going in November. Guess no reason to get my second shot now. Was only getting vaxxed to enjoy my trip. If I'm required to wear a mask either way, no need to get the shot. Hey, Josh. <laughs> hey, Josh, can we stop and talk for a second? Are you telling me that you were only getting... Okay, for, you were telling me that you were only getting vaccinated with your human body. You were only getting vaccinated so you wouldn't have to wear a mask at Disney, Josh? Do you remember the episode of Sawbones we did long, long ago on World of Warcraft when they had that... Yeah, yeah. What was it called? The virus outbreak? The blood. Blood virus, something like that. Yeah. I remember thinking of Mythic Quest, but go ahead. Yes, and so they they had the, and it went wrong, and yeah, and that, but they've used it at this this outbreak in a game as a model for how people might respond to a real world outbreak, and in it, people did some really weird things, like intentionally running to get infected or looking to see, and like we, we, like weird intentionally infecting others, and all these weird things that they were like, I don't know if this would actually happen in real life. I think what we've seen in the last year is that World of Warcraft was right. <laughs> World of Warcraft was right. And the, the behaviors of people in response to this, I mean, we keep calling it this like existential threat as if it's, but it's not. It's quite, it's quite like we can understand it. It's right here. It's a thing. It's a virus. We can look at it. It's just really small, but we know how to look at it now. And we could all work together just like we have over and over again was, in human history. I was actually trying to close on a fun note, and you're really killing my energy right now. I was. You trying just to told me in. about this guy who's not going to get his second shot because he has to wear a mask on. It's a small world well, in he November. he was only getting it to, so he didn't have to wear a mask. Like Kelly P., who said, I got vaccinated, so I didn't have to wear a mask at Disney. If you're worried and unvaccinated, don't go to Disney. So this is what I'm saying. This is why I think it's a hopeful note. These are people that only put the vaccine in their only human body. They put the no, no, no desire to get a vaccine for any reason other than they don't have to wear a mask at Disney. If those are the stakes, there is a percentage of the population that can be reached. They have not got their vaccines, but something. <laughs> Nigh meaningless. We can cast in front of them to convince them. There are people who can be swayed. This is what I'm saying. There are people who can be reached. It's not just Disney people. Although I'm saying if Mickey Mouse called them and they were like, I'll give you, oh, pal, I'll give you a, an extra hour of magic at the parks. You can stay longer, huh? You get your vaccine. It, I, if you gave people fast passes again, <clears throat> they probably would get back. This is so, if you don't live in the U.S., I am sorry. I'm sorry. This must seem absolutely unhinged. I, I, I really, I don't know how to apologize. Although, you know enough. what? I, a lot of these countries are going to have their own things. Like, I get, I think that, you know, it's a, it's interesting. It's it's an interesting question to wonder about if, I say interesting, but like it doesn't have huge, 
ethical ramifications, but would the U.S. be have like the U.S. rushed to get as many vaccines as it could, right? Mm-hmm. And sort of like uh, boxed out some other smaller countries to get as much as we could. Uh, and then the people didn't want to take them. If we had let it play out where like other countries got lots of doses and we're using it, uh, do you think there would be less vaccine hesitancy in the U.S.? Like, do you think that if it was if it was harder to get harder to get or we had seen it for longer in other countries, like play out longer in other countries? And then I, I do think I do think there's a little bit of like, I mean, there's still people who are saying they're just waiting to see mm-hmm. they're waiting to see how other people do. I I can't I just can't comment on that. Um uh, maybe that would have made a difference. I don't know. I, I have heard a lot of people, maybe this is a place you can you can do some work other than like advocating personally to your family and friends. I've seen there are still people who aren't against the vaccine on principle. They're worried about um, side effects, specifically like missing work um, because of some of the horror stories they've heard from people who had, you know, more severe vaccine reactions. And I, I saw someone say, but then it occurred to me, I'll miss a lot more work if I get coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I got vaccinated. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's a that's a good point to continue to make to people. I think continuing to make the point, it is free. If you don't have insurance, it doesn't matter. Even if they say bring your insurance card, it doesn't matter if you don't have one. You can go get it anyway. You don't have to have an insurance card. I think making those points, there still are inroads to be made you know, in some people, like some some communities that are vaccine hesitant because of those sorts of fears. Mm-hmm. Um, those are conquerable. People who thinks there's who thinks there are microchips in there, I don't know. I don't there well, aren't. There aren't. If that helps, there, there aren't. aren't. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Sawbones. Uh, if you'd like to donate to the Immunization Action Council, you could do coalition. so direct. Uh, what? Sorry. Yeah, the Immunization Action Coalition. Thank you. You could do so directly at immunize.org, or you can go to McElroyMerch.com, and we have a variety and uh, buy a uh, T-shirt about vaccines or bumper sticker about vaccines, uh, saying that they are safe and effective. Um, and uh, all the proceeds from those go to uh, the IAC as well. So um, they are among the smart people in rooms trying to get, <laughs> figure out how to how to how to get everybody on board with doing the right thing for them and everyone else. I um, mean, it protects you and your community. Please encourage others to per- get vaccinated. Please get vaccinated if you're not. Personal liberty doesn't play in when it's a uh, <laughs> communicable disease. This is a public health crisis it is a the the past year has brought us a scientific achievement that is that only few others have matched in human history but yet a public health failure yeah on of monumental levels which i think i, I mean honestly i don't want to get off on another topic hey listen thanks to the taxpayers for the use of their song medicines as the international World program and thank you to you for listening. That's going to do it for us. So until next time, my name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. All right. Yeah. org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned, audience supported.